You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. I, uh, what happened was, I got, thanks for asking, I appreciate that. Um, I got, I drank more beer than I should have, and I got really, really stressed out, and I had acid reflux, and <laughs> just a lot of, a lot, a lot of things at once, honestly. I shouldn't laugh, but. No, but th- that's fair, though, like, Honestly, they told me like the stress was kind of the thing that tipped it over. Like I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. I was eating bad food. I was drinking too much beer, and right. and then I got really, really, really stressed out because you know I got mental problems. And uh, <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the only reason you get stressed out because you're mental. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's encouraging to hear. <laughs> Yeah, everybody else is like a sea of calm. Yeah, yeah, they're like they're at a at like a five out of ten, or like at yeah, a zero. Or, yeah. yeah, but you know when you when you know when you're mental, you start at eleven. Yep, <laughs> turn it to eleven. Yep. How's it going with Jay? It's going. Uh, he's doing well. Um, he started like an outpatient program here in Minneapolis. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jay's had a struggle for a while. It's really a sad thing. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I think this program he's in right now is really, really good for him. And how's the church thing going? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I preached a sermon recently, and honestly, I think that our conversation might have influenced us. Like, I'm very uh, I'm very uh, gullible, maybe, or, or a, a positive <laughs> version of gullible. Valuable. I absorb any anybody I care about. Like I absorb everything they tell me, and like. Oh. Um, but I opened the sermon saying, "I don't think it matters if there's a God." And then I talked about Matthew twenty five about like Jesus in in the mythology in the mythos saying that uh, you know that I was that poor person you didn't feed or clothe. I was I was everyone around you the whole time, and I think it's a very abstract religious statement or or philosophical statement saying I, the the son of man, as you put it, the human one, I am everyone around you. And I'm abstractly, I am you essentially. Yeah. How'd that go over? It actually, I got a lot of good feedback. I did. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) At least you didn't get burned at the stake. No, at least. Yeah. I could have like just a couple centuries ago. Or maybe yeah yeah a couple of years ago in Minneapolis a couple of years in yeah I mean, yes that's true that is true yeah mm-hmm. bastion of midwestern whatever it is <laughs> what the fuck ever it is I don't know what it is yeah I don't know what it is huh? I think I told you I, I'm from the south so like being yeah. being in Minneapolis is for me like a crazy change of pace yeah I bet I you do you like it. I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of overwhelming because it is. I've never been exposed to liberal Christianity, period. And then up right. here, that's the majority. Like the majority of churches are are very, very prog- I guess progressive, liberal. These these are just terms. They're they're. I I think progressive is the best yeah, word. In their mainline, they're sort of mainline liberal churches, right? Yes, yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It's a little bit of break from the Bible Belt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a bit, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, really. Yeah. So funny. And how's your podcast going? It's going well. Yeah, um, I have seven right now. Yeah. And uh, the one that's doing the best, we're on a network. I might. I don't remember. I might have told you. Uh, we're on a network, and uh, we're supported by the UCC Church. Do you know the UCC? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd never heard of them before I moved up north. But uh-huh. uh they 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 support us and and endorse us. They're like very autonomous. Yeah. So like this one church really supports us, but because of the autonomy, there's a kind of a give and take. Yeah. But at the same time it's nice to have a Christian, I guess mainline or mainline adjacent church yeah. that is that is you know supporting what we do that's great i mean as long as they're open that's all right it's a yeah. good thing to have support mm-hmm. yeah but yeah oh that's cool mate you, you're back in england yeah i'm back in london yeah so i'm here for the duration okay i don't know i'm still working out what i'm doing but uh finishing up a book at the moment so we'll see okay do you have a working title um, yeah, Sacred Anarchy. Oh my God, bro. I was going to ask you about Christian, do you know, you obviously you do, you're way fucking smarter than I am. Uh, like I had a podcast this past week about Christian anarchy. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. But when you say sacred anarchy, is that, is that distinct from? Um, well, I, 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 I think to some degree, I, I think that in uh in today's world anything that that is in the realm of the the sacred is kind of or can have the potential to be anarchistic anarchic yeah. you know what i mean yes yeah and, uh and and it was a, it was a play it was kind of a play on it's a, it's a it's a book of uh, essays about about life, and particularly, um, it, it started out as a memoir, but it's become a book of essays. So it, it's about uh, bits and pieces of, of my life, mm. and so I, I sort of wanted to tie together a couple of disparate things. So the kind of anarchic involvement in rock and roll and stuff like that combined with the 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 world of the sacred that, that i've also inhabited so i just thought that was kind of a an interesting way of capturing it wow okay it's also it's a it's it's also um although i didn't get it from him but it, it it's a it's a term that um john caputo used in one of one of his books i think but um i sort of came to it because you know one of the not that I lay claim to any punk roots or anything, but well. but um, but you know the whole sort of anarchy thing is a big part of the punk the punk movement. So I sort of took that like a sort of a like what defines rock and roll, what defines religion, you know, mm. and you know, anarchy and the sacred, and maybe sacred anarchy is how they both function. Wow. Okay. I, I grew up um, very sort of non-religious, like most people in Britain. I mean, get religious education at school, um, but beyond that, it's really 
religion sort of played no part. And I wasn't really interested. Um, I, I was much more of a, a lefty. I was big into like, I was in the young socialists and all that kind of stuff, sure, you know, yeah, up, the, okay. up the workers, you know, come the revolution. And, um, and, and religion just didn't really factor because it, it, it didn't really play any shaping role in, uh, in, in my life. So, so it came, it came after it sort of came, maybe it came because of being involved in rock and roll. I don't know. It actually came really, I'd always been interested in philosophy. So it kind of came out of sort of philosophical musings along the way, but also just coming to terms with different things in, in, uh, in life. And, um, it's funny cause I, I, I never really set out to get involved in religion or, or Christianity in any formal way, but I moved to California and it just sort of all happened. I mean, I, that sounds very vague, but it's kind of really, you know, I'd, I'd already made some sort of choices about how I was going to try and frame my life. Mm-hmm. And then I bumped into some people that I knew who'd become Christians. And, and it seemed at the time like this, logical thing or at least i was persuaded that it was easily persuaded but persuaded that it was the it was the right sort of move to make i see and it took me a while to work out that it probably i don't know if it i i I don't really have regrets and i I don't want to sort of dismiss anything because things are real at the time when they're real Mm. you know you know what i mean by the same token i think there was always a, a little unease but it took me a while to sort of work out um, how uneasy I was. And then, you know, what you do with that is another, another issue. So it's taken me a while to work through that. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I sort of remain interested. I, I mean, I, I think in, in many ways, religion is more interesting now than it's ever been. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, for, for lots of reasons. Um, positive and, and, and negative. And, and it's interesting because here, you know, the interesting thing about London is, is for years, they're really, I mean, there's always churches. I mean, you know, there's the church of England for a start and there, there have always, but, but in the last like five, maybe 10 years, there's a much more, um, raised presence, particularly of, um, kind of, evangelical Christian types, you know, Hillsong things and stuff like that. It's interesting that, and that's, you know, to me, that's interesting sort of sociologically. Like Mm. why? Because, you know, those, those kind of hipster churches, they're, they're, they're really interesting (laughs) because they tend to be, they tend to be largely, um, fairly simplistic theologically. Mm. Mm -hmm. Usually they're not progressive. Mm. And progressive churches don't usually wind up being big churches. No. The, the the mass appeal of at least Christianity still seems to be in the the realm of the largely conservative, uh, at least socially conservative. Yes. You know, yes. Or morally conservative, socially kind of active around certain things, and then theologically nineteenth uh, century. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, you just 
I hear things over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I've been around the, the church long enough now to be able to go, yeah, well, in the 80s I heard that. Almost word for word, like the same kind of slogans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, when things get reduced down to kind of manageable slogans, you, you worry that there's <laughs> yeah. not much um, new thinking or reflection going on behind yeah. that. You know what I mean, because, I, I, uh, you know, slogans are, are, are very transportable. But they don't contain yeah. a whole lot of information. It's really funny. I was, I was, uh, I was watching this. Uh, in fact, I just wrote about this. Uh, I, I was watching this uh, television series um, on uh, is Amazon, Netflix, one of them called Animal Kingdom. I don't know if you've ever. I saw the trailer. I've not seen the the show yet, though. It's, it's very interesting. It, it, it was it was written by an Australian guy, and it was set in Australia, but they moved it to like California. Okay. And uh, it's basically about this woman who runs basically a small-time family crime group. Okay. In in uh, the series that I was watching, the the big storyline was they're going to rob this uh, evangelical mega church right after their annual like fundraising thing. Oh man! <laughs> so this one guy, what one guy from. Uh, the family basically joins the church so he can like work out where the cameras are and, you know, time everything out. And he, and he gets involved in this, uh, starts going to this Bible study and it's run by this, uh, woman and, uh, they sort of connect with each other and this kind of romance happens, you know? And, uh, and it was kind of interesting because it was interesting watching a television show, that actually got the whole evangelical Christian thing down really well. Like mm. there were lots of scenes of this guy like sitting in the church while they're like rehearsing their worship band thing. Oh, you know? no. And it was very, very realistic. And then, but what was really interesting, uh, sorry, this is a meandering no, to my point, please. but anyway, so um, this guy um, does some nice things for this woman and, and she basically sort of says, you know, come to my, come to my place tonight and i'll reward you and and he says um he sort of sort of says to her are, are you talking about sex mm-hmm. and she says oh I'm, I'm i'm really sorry i didn't i didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable but you know the the bible's really um against premarital sex but i just wanted you to come over and and she saw i can't remember the exact line but she sort of said you know there are other ways of um you know, being kind to each other. Anyway, so he goes over and there's another roommate there or something and they eat a pizza and then the roommate leaves and then it it sort of gets dark and suddenly the girl gets up and takes off all of her clothes. And then she says to this, and then she says to this guy, like take off all of your stand up and and take off all of your clothes. And, And he's like, like not quite sure what to do about this. And she goes, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. You know, blah, blah. blah. So he like strips off and they're both standing there. And then she goes, now touch yourself. Okay. And then, and then she says, all right, now come close to me so that I can, I can feel you. Okay. And and my whole point in saying all of that is it was a perfect, a perfect uh, example Mm. of fucked up, um, 
the churches around so many things, including sex. Right. So here they are. They've already established, and this girl has already established that, you know, premarital sex is not allowed. Mm. But apparently standing naked in a room wanking, um, that's all right. Right. And if you weren't familiar with any aspect of Christianity, you'd probably go, oh, that's insane. Right. If you've been around the church for a while, you know that that's how it goes, that basically uh, basically in, in those environments – what it's come down to is sex is essentially simply like penetration. Right. That's, that's the prohibition. And so everybody, like, in a sense, obeys the prohibition. Right. But does everything they can. It's a bit like the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, like, who is my neighbor? You know, you sort of work out who your neighbor isn't so that you can uh, – maintain your keeping of the law while mm-hmm. remaining prejudiced. Yeah. And in this sort of scenario, you've got, well, what is sex? Well, sex is only when you stick it in. Mm-hmm. So therefore, anything before that actually isn't sex. Right, yeah. And, and I was watching this and I'm like, wow, A, this television show really got that worked out. B, having been around the church, I know how real this is mm-hmm. and how messed up it is because – all of these prohibitions are in place yeah. that never get questioned, never really get fully addressed or, or, or talked about. And, you know, um, there's this writer I like, Adam Phillips, and uh, he, he says that the, the forbidden coerces desire. That I was going to ask you, do you think that prohibition um, breeds a fetish? Does it breed fetishes? Like. I think it, I, I, I think while while you keep the rules, you dream of breaking them. Yes, yes. And, and so consequently, because I was trying to work out, you know, I, and I've tried to work this out for for a long time, you know, why like the whole sex thing is such a big issue right. in, in 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 Christianity, and why why responses across the spectrum, for the most part, not you know, not everybody's like that, but a lot of people are, and. Um, it just occurred to me that uh, what you've got is a whole bunch of people who have these rules, mm-hmm. these prohibitions yeah. that are in place that really they don't want to keep, right? But feel obligated to, right? So, so they do what we all do with the rules. It's like, how far can you go and technically not violate the rule, but get something you want? But really, you're not getting what you're getting is you're adding to frustration. And the people in this show have to be in their middle 30s or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not, we're not talking like youth group stuff here. Right. We're talking yeah. grown up Fully people. Fully indoctrinated. Who, who've been married, who maybe have kids, and who are trying to like navigate and negotiate this uh, sexual prohibition. Um, and yet address feelings of desire and, and, and all that stuff. Right. And, and I find a lot that, um, stuff like that goes on, which really, and I'm not even judging it. I, I, I completely, um, understand. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, and, and I've, I've talked to so many people who are really messed up by this stuff. Yeah. Cause you know, you get, yeah. you, you get people that will do, Anything and everything, yep. except except you know vaginal, vaginal penetration. Yes, yeah. 
I'm I'm fucked in the head by that. Like, I th- I think lots of people are because uh, they just don't know um, what what to make of uh, that stuff. So um, it's uh, it's complicated, and 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 I um, I guess what I was saying I was saying all of that to say mm-hmm. that I find a lot of like the the bigger churches that's kind of how they operate Mm -hmm. they operate with these broad prohibitions right very broad yeah and vague broad and vague yeah yeah vague i mean on one level they go it's not vague at all there's no sex before marriage that's what they say yeah but define sex that's the vague part it's like that's that's, that was my point because what happens is sex becomes this one which is why you have you know all these complications when 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 people get very resistant to things like homosexuality, yes. you know, gays, lesbians, queers, transgender, and stuff like that, because it's been reduced to this one act. Reduced, so, yes. Yep. And so this couple, technically, they don't think they're having sex. Yes. It just occurs to me that two people standing naked in a room with a hard on, wanking off, getting, getting off, it kind of sounds like sex to me. Yeah. Right. So, and I think that happens not just about sex. I think that happens about a lot of things in uh, life, and it's that sort of that interests me sort of sociologically. It also worries me philosophically and mm. and theologically um, that there's so little. And I and I know that not all churches like that. I know that a lot of mainline churches sort of they don't want to go into your bedroom at all. So whatever right. you do, that's between behind you closed God. doors is the, is the, yeah. and, and, and that, that's fine, but that's almost just as bad. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like, it, it's like, you know, um, you have the whole sort of theistic line and you've got your hardcore theists where, you know, God is this way. And then you get in, to sort of more liberal environments and, you know, their God is apparently more loving and more open and more inclusive and stuff like that. But you're still yeah. dealing with this same supernatural, uh, consciousness, like consciousness and this being beyond being, you know, the ground of being, ground, you know, yeah. to like, you know, yeah, and, sure. uh, and, 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 and I don't think that necessarily is, as fully realized or thought out as it could be either. Hmm. I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but no, anyway, that's what no, I was watching on the today. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Would you, okay, this is, this is kind of an abstract question, but would you prefer that we further define, let's use the, the word God or, you know, the ground of being or love or the force or the universe. Would you prefer yeah. that we further define that and seek that out or just don't worry about it anymore? Um, cool. Well, I mean, some people do worry about it. Yeah. So, but is that um, a product of being told to worry about it? Yeah, probably, probably. Um, I, I, I think, we sort of have to look at it um, for what it is, okay. which is really um, kind of a language game. Okay. You know, Nick, I think I said this last time we talked, you know, Nick Cave yeah. says, you know, words are the blanket that we throw on the invisible to give it shape. So <laughs> yeah, I love that. God is this 
moniker that we apply to what can't be, okay. you know, the event as John Caputo might sure. call it rather yeah. than, rather than the being. So it's not the being, it's right. not the existence of something, but the insistence of, the ins- of yeah. God does not exist, but he insists or it insists. Yeah. It insists. And, and, and I, it, it, it's complicated because um, I, I, but I don't think that God in a sense is going anywhere. <laughs> right. In fact, you know, you could almost argue that the opposite, the opposite is true. You know, God remains even after the death of God, God, the idea mm. remains vibrant and potent, um, both mm. to believers and non-believers uh, alike. And, and if you sort of go around the world, um, you'd find uh, that God is invoked probably by more people than not invoked okay. by, by people. So I, I, I think you have to you have to take that word into consideration. But how you define it, I think, is where you run into both opportunities and challenges. Yeah, and and it's a challenge because a lot of people don't want you to mess with God. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have two. I have two like really big questions for you, if that's okay. The first, sure. um, the phrase "invoking God" is that exclusively a, a Caputo reference about the event? Because I feel like you understand Caputo very, very well. Like you, you've talked about him, you know, influencing you a lot. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard, you know, it's hard to work out because. Um, did he just like clarify that term for you or did he introduce it to you? I think so. Cause what I was going to say was, um, a lot of times, and I, and I don't mean this to sound sort of, uh, immodest or anything, but a lot of times when I discover, um, a reader that resounds with me, it's not necessarily because they've given me a new idea. It's because they've given shape to yeah. the idea that they solidified. I, that, yeah. They, they yeah. solidified my thinking and then they give you new ideas. Yeah. You, you know what I mean, Absolutely. so I, th- I think, I think for me, um, I was already, uh, reaching around reframing yeah. and, and, and rethinking. And I mean, I found, I found Caputo through reading Vatimo, the Italian philosopher. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I found Vatimo before I found Caputo. Mm. And what resonated with me um, with Vatimo was weak thinking, which was his major philosophical idea. Okay. And that led me to Caputo's weak theology. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, you know, and Caputo and Vatimo have interacted quite, quite right. a lot. So yeah. that there are resonances there. Both and maybe we them, should just quickly say, like, Caputo's idea of weak theology is that there's strength in the weakness of being vulnerable. Is that fair? Uh, in being loving and being fully loving, you are technically weak, but... And when you make strong statements, you know, so when you, when you define, when you, when you limit, when you put boundary, um, you're, you're, you're not, A, you're not as strong as you think you are. Mm-hmm. 
but the but the opposite is better like weak thinking like so you step out of the power game if you like mm-hmm. that would that would be vatimo's thing so weak weak thought and 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 he takes it from uh you know paul in in, in corinthians when i yeah. when i'm weak i'm strong so it comes it comes from this notion but it's it's a sort of relinquishing if you like of a power opportunity and also yeah. power so you don't ascribe power to God. You ascribe weakness to God. You don't ascribe power to theology. You ascribe weakness to, to theology. Yeah. And in the in the weakness, there's um, the opportunity for things to take on a different shape and different form and different nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's not seeking to um, control or absolutize, mm. or quantize, define, or stagnantly, define statically. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, I my my sort of, I mean, again, I can't remember when we talked before. I was never particularly that interested in God in the first place. Right. Yeah. And and so um, it was quite. And this comes back to the conversation about what we need to do with with God. For me, it was kind of easy to go, yeah, I, I sort of took that on because I was told that I really should, you know, as if I was going to lay claim to Christianity or, or, or something, you know, that yeah. it's all about God and, and, and stuff like that, which you hear all the time. Um, but But when I began to sort of think that through, I was like, well, yeah, if you're in that system, but... I don't really want to be in that system and I don't really have, I wasn't like looking for God. I was looking for a, a, a deeper sense of myself, which, which I do think religion can, can help you with, you know, mm. on, on, on some level. So that's not to just, dis- I don't dismiss religion uh, entirely. I think there's a lot of beauty yeah. and a lot of stuff that you can carry from there. But, but for me, like going, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, Again, Nick Cave, I don't believe in an interventionist God. He gave me the language for something that I already felt. I was like, well, the minute I heard that wow. song, I'm like, that's what I mean. Mm. That's what I mean. Yeah. I don't believe in, you know, and that le- that leaves, there's a little bit of openness there. Um, if you don't believe in an interventionist God, does that mean that you believe in a God who doesn't intervene? Right. Well, uh, probably not, to be honest, personally. Yeah. In, in, in the sense that I, I, I don't think, like I was talking with somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was. I think it was on a podcast. But basically, any atheist mm-hmm. is essentially a Christian atheist. Oh, yes. They're reacting to Christianity. Because they're, because they're reacting to a, a particular, essentially, you know, they're reacting to a, a, a Western form of theism, which yes. is shaped the Judeo-Christian story. So arguably, uh, 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 the most, they're Judeo-Christian atheists. Oh, my God. But essentially, they're Christian atheists. Yeah. Right? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Because because not everybody in the world who claims religion or who claims God mm-hmm. claims the theistic God right. of Christianity that most atheists rail against mm-hmm. and argue doesn't exist because christianity birthed the term atheist you're not going to know that term unless you're in western culture and unless you're exposed to that so 
I don't know how I even. Sorry, my mic. I just keep forgetting how we get to where we got. I don't got, care. <laughs> why we? But um, so so I so for me um, the 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 whole God equation is um, it, it's kind of it's I don't find it necessary particularly except that if you're going to engage with um, other people as I've done within. The horizons of uh, of Christianity in in, in various forms, um, there there is belief in God, and if you read or consult the Bible, mm-hmm. the name God is is in there. Yeah. So in that regard, I, I do feel um, the need to address God. Okay. Which is why somebody like. Um, Caputo or Richard Kearney or Mark Taylor mm-hmm. would be as people who I, I would find helpful because particularly like with Taylor and his early works and stuff like that, when he was beginning the deconstructionist stuff, um, God was uh, a, a point of conversation. So, so on one level, I'm like, it depends who you're talking to whether you need to reframe or rethink or, or, or refocus. So, and you know, if you're talking, if you're talking to, um, atheists, then you kind of need to know, you need to know the God game. Yeah, that's true. It's the terminology. It's the, it's the vocab. Yeah. It's the vocab because they're on the same continuum. Yeah. Just at different ends of the spectrum. And, but they're both interacting. And, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, for most people, it means some kind of supernatural, metaphysical mm-hmm. uh, being who may be in charge of everything, knows everything, and sees everything. You, yeah. you, you know what I mean? So now, you, and then you have to sort of break that down and go, well, you know, how much of that is just historic overlay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, theories of god like theories of anything develop over time mm-hmm. and uh so um if you're going to talk within the horizons of uh, of christianity um i think you need to have some sort of sense of what you mean by god if you talk about god even if it's a vague sense of you know something, and th- and then you can also talk about it in terms of. You know, but then sometimes I find that a little dismissive. They go, "Oh, well, that's just the language they used back then." Because yeah, they right. You know, I, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but that's a little dismissive. Like, you know, oh, we're so much better today. You know, we're still using right. most same, most of the same words, and I yeah. think there's a little bit of, you know, we should be so lucky as to be able to think as cogently and coherently as some yeah. people did in the, in the past, you know, with less information. And maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too much information. Uh. But, um, so, um, it, it's, you know, it's like, again, what interests me is, mm-hmm. is what, what's in the name of God, mm-hmm. you know, what's contained in the name of God right. for people and how that gets teased out and passed out. Right. Um, when you, when you speak about it and you think about it, um, yeah. what's there and what's what's not there, you know, what do we claim that's there? Is that what what is so interesting to you about? Is that why you still have conversations about God? Is that like 
it, it, the the fact that it's so subjective, the fact that uh, I mean all I mean this is very Derrida, but all words are obviously very subjective. And um, it's gonna you're, you're gonna define a word differently from every other person on the planet, probably. But is that why God is so fascinating to you? Like as a philosopher, as as a theist or a, a theologian, is because I mean, I I, th- I think there's a couple of reasons. But one is for better or worse. As much as I've tried to sort of shake this off over the years. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually managed to shake it off. No. I don't know if that's uh, a problem <laughs> or a, a, a fault of mine or, or if it was just easier to stay than go. Mm-hmm. But something something uh, has kept me interested in, uh, as I said, what's what's going on yeah. in, in 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 all of that. Is it empathy, Barry? Is it is it that that you've been there and so you see people who are still there and you want to help them? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that I'm that kind. Okay, fair. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't know that you know. I don't see it as like some mission to save people from their religious beliefs. I well, mean, yeah. But but I but I but I do I I, I do know that there are a lot of people and seemingly an increasing number of people for whom the collapse of religious belief mm-hmm. has, has, yeah, has become a problem mm-hmm. for them. And I do feel a lot of empathy in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are, you know, there are lots of people that um, are disillusioned with the God that was named for them Mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily want to abandon everything. Yeah. But they're not quite sure where to go. And I think for whatever reason, um, I felt along the way that I've had something to say to that because I've been on that same trajectory. Yeah. And, and rather than just going, Oh, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Which I do a lot. But yeah, same. I, I, I say fuck it, but then work out what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I do sort of feel that um, there are things that I can contribute. Yeah, sure. That not not necessarily to to help people stay with their religion or, or get out of it, but just to say, well, that's not because what what I realize is, and I realize this for myself, is that we become prisoners of a very singular story of uh, of the whole thing right yeah a condensed like um and, and you get the idea and and i even went through this you know you there's that period where you think oh my god i i don't think that anymore and i think something else but i'm afraid to say that because yep. if i say that it's all gonna go tits up and i'm gonna be I don't know, branded a heretic or kicked out or people are going to think I'm nuts or lose your social or, group, lose your infrastructure. Yeah. Lose your salvation, you yeah. know, lose your story, you know, sure. all, all of those kind of things. And, 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 and so I, I think, you know, sort of come into terms and affirming that there are different ways of looking at, uh, at everything. I mean, that, that's a, a beginning step for a lot of people, but I think it's an important one that you can, can help people with, but, but I think I, I, I remain interested in 
religion in general mm-hmm. because it seems to be in some way part of the fabric of what it means to be human. Yes, well put, yeah. Whether, whether or not that gets verbalized in traditional ways. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, 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 um, I think that, uh, you know, because you could argue that for a lot of people, um, they they would say, well, I'm not interested in religion. Religion means nothing to me, and uh, I don't need to think about it yeah. and stuff. And I'm true, except that because we say we don't believe, it's a reaction to belief, right? Yeah, and also we kind of do. It just manifests in different ways. It yeah. may not be formalized in a religious tradition. Like there's a, there's a um, uh, a cultural theorist um, from Holland, Mika Bal. Yeah, yeah. In, mm-hmm. You know, uh, yes, and um, she has a chapter in, in I think, one of the Graham Ward books. It might be The Postmodern God or Companion to Postmodern Theology or something. And and she sort of says in, in, in that book that that one of the one of the underpinnings of Western culture is Judeo Christian thinking. Yeah, of course. And it affects everybody, even if it's only a vapor trail. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it's like there's a reason why um we have stories in our culture, salvific stories, messianic figures and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That, that I, you know, it's like, it's no surprise to me when, when, when someone takes a film and then breaks it down and explains to you how this film replicates the story of Jesus. <laughs> the Matrix or something like it. Well, the the re- I think the deeper reason is is because our, our, that even though we've let them go, mm-hmm. doesn't mean they've gone they've gone away. Yeah, and I think the religious impulse, um, the, or at least I, th- I think the religious impulse addresses a, a, a search. Some people would say it addresses the search for 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 meaning. Mm. Um, I, I I think it. I I wouldn't totally disagree with that but i have issues with life being about finding meaning about meaning yeah like it's written yeah. down somewhere like it's it's definable but i do think religious religion has historically and i and i mean all sort of religion in, in one form or another yeah. um sort of tasked itself with helping us to to to, to speak to human self-understanding okay what it means to be human where you, how you see the world, where you fit in the world. And, you know, traditionally that's, that's kind of been in, in some kind of scheme that involves God or the gods and, and, and all the various other metaphysical and non-metaphysical beings, you know, whether it's demons or ghosts or angels or goblins or fairies or, or, or whatever. So, um, I, so for me, religion is very broadly, um, about, the search for human self-understanding and it's culturally defined, which is why there are different religious persuasions uh, around the world. But I think they all ultimately in their own way are are speaking to a very deep human thing. Like why the fuck do we exist? (laughs) Right. Yeah. No. Yeah, totally. In a sense, science has a a kind of religious dynamic to it. Mm. it, it, it yeah. Advertising yeah. has a religious dynamic mm-hmm. to it. It sort of tells you reasons for being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if it's only to get a pair of Nikes, but you know, <laughs> so, so, um, 
I, I, I think the the sacred it manifests in all kinds of ways. And again, Mark Taylor, who who I really really like, and I think is very under under regarded within within a lot of the progressive worlds I I, I, I run it. Mainly, I think because he he's very uh, broad thinking and not singular. Okay. But he he says that that religion is the most interesting where it's the least obvious. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and he's lot. made a career, he's made a career essentially of trying to expose religion in the least obvious places, wow. whether it's in architecture or or all kinds of all kinds of realms, technology, finance, mm-hmm. and, and and stuff like stuff like that. So so when I when I sort of talk about interest in religion, mm-hmm. for me it's very it's very broad. I mean, I get specific when 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 I'm engaging and thinking about sort of Christianity and the church and stuff like that, and that's where the bulk of my thinking and stuff has been directed. But when it comes to ideas about religion and the sacred and stuff like that, I, I, I'm really very broad and go, well, you know, um, it, it's really ultimately the addressing of human self-understanding in, in, in various ways. Okay. And that impulse doesn't go away because you just don't go to church. Right. No, yeah, of course. Would you would you define religion as a set of rituals or as an, a belief economy, a structure that you subscribe to? Or like when you – because to me, I'm not sure what you mean when you say religion. Like I fully hear what you're saying, but like how would you define yeah. – I would say that a lot of people describe religion as a set of beliefs. Okay. And that would that would be very much I think a Christian perspective. And ex- external beliefs that you don't have proof for, but you're yeah. But it's a set of beliefs, you know, a, a set of beliefs with an associate set of practices and yep. rituals of varying kinds that affirm your beliefs. Yes, yeah. That's yep. On a reductionist sense, I would say that's what a okay. lot of people define yeah. religion. And I would say that's one way of defining religion yeah. in one particular way. But I think religion manifests in in many, many different ways. But if I was talking about, you know, religion as an entity, mm-hmm. then that's where I'd sort of go and say, so what's going on in the belief here? Mm-hmm. And what's going on in the in the, in the practices and in, in in the rituals and stuff like that? But I wouldn't say that that is exclusively the domain or the confine of a self-regarded religion, okay. like I see. the Episcopalians or the Lutherans sure. or okay. the Evangelicals or you know, yeah, that 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 right. I wouldn't say that they have exclusive hold on that. They just think they do. Were you religious by that definition? Were you religious before? You became like a, a Christian punk rock roadie, or no? By that definition, no. No, not at all. No, I didn't. I mean, I I went to church a little bit when I when I was a kid, um, but but you had a belief structure. You had you had a a worldview, right? Like, well, yes and no. I mean, I I think as unformed as worldviews are when you were young, sure, and, okay. and it didn't really include um, a belief in. In, in God, there was no sort of active churchy thing, right? So that came, that came that came much later. That came actually after Jesus for me. Wow. So did 
just this is kind of like a callback here, but did the anarchy did okay, this is like a multi-parter, but sure. If Jesus is in an an anarchic figure, yeah. If, I mean, that's a big if. Yeah. Then big if. is that what drew you to like what drew you to Christianity from your background, from um, yeah, see that to some degree um the the trajectory was um i i was interested in working out how to be more comfortable in my own skin okay and feel better about myself as a human being mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i think there were any number of reasons why i didn't feel particularly comfortable Comfortable, and and there was definitely some shame dynamic in there that I think was exacerbated by, um, my involvement in, um, the sort of rock and roll world Mm -hmm. because it's, it's very easy to, uh, become self centered and, uh, take what you can get wherever you can get it at whatever cost or whatever price. Right. And, um, I, I, I for, and you know, I, I just wasn't, I, I just wasn't comfortable with what was going on in, in inside of me. And my, my initial turn was towards philosophy because I was always interested in philosophy, but, but I realized somewhere along the way that, um, philosophy Western philosophy, particularly like Nietzsche and stuff like that, like which you know, ah, no, pre-continental. Okay. I mean, this you know, l- long time ago, okay. um, and very general. You know, it was everything from you know, I-, I read all the stuff that you do when you're an angst-ridden young person in Europe. You know, Thomas Mann, Hermann Hesse, Nietzsche. You know, right. um, yeah. all, all the dark, all the dark shit that speaks to the <laughs> the the yearning and the ache in, yes. in, 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 inside <laughs> you. But, but somehow I realized that there was a conversation in that the addressed notions of religious belief, like Nietzsche, yeah. God is dead. Okay. Well, okay. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Was and, God and alive so, to start with or like, has he always so been dead? That, and I'd never really given much thought to what i thought about religion mm. i just dismissed it like everybody else okay. it's like why would i want that i don't okay. believe in right that. it's just yeah. like it's, it's a fairy it's tale. An old, it's just an old game you yeah. know and especially again in britain you know you sort of see these old churches you know everybody dressed up in like ancient clothing it's like yeah. what the fuck's about you know um <laughs> but so i decided to to sort of explore religion to see what I thought about it. And at the time, you know, this is like the late seventies and the start of the early eighties. It's like post hippie culture, but it's also, um, early, early to mid sort of Jesus movement era. Okay. And in the late seventies and eighties, there, there was a sort of like a last gasp religious spike. Okay. Okay. In, in 
groups in Western culture. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? That yes. sort of began in the late fifties. And even as the tide turned and people began to reject religion, you had out of like youth culture, an explosion of interest in Eastern religion, you know, yep. through the yep. beat mm-hmm. and all that New kind of age. stuff. All those things, yeah. you know, so that stuff, it was, that was a sort of new conversation at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Religion was around in a way that it wasn't even when I was even a decade before when I was growing up. And and I think being on the road with a band, you just get exposed to a broader slice of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Anyway, so I just started reading different religious texts and 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 I, and I, I read loads of them, you know, and uh, Christianity was really the last the last gasp because I figured I had that down because I got taught Christianity at school wow. and I really wasn't interested in that shit. You know, to yep. me it was just like that. That's crazy. But did I not tell you the story about, about the girl? No, you mentioned it, but like, I'm also very curious as to how come in a, in American terms, public school in a, yeah. a ha- taught you religion in a class. Like what? They still do. They still do in Britain. Religious education is mandatory. Okay. But tell me about, tell me about the girl. So, so I've told this story before, but I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell it again. So I was, I was in Texas. Oh, boy. And oh, oh, boy. Uh, was that? Oh, boy. Texas. Yeah, I was, I was in Texas, and we were playing at some festival. And uh, I, met, I was in this hotel, and we were there for a couple of days. And, and I, I met this girl. And uh, I met this girl. She worked at the hotel, and oh. we sort of had one of those weird connect things. Although after I get through the story, I, I, I think I realized that it probably wasn't a connect at all. But whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so you meet somebody, but there was definitely you know a spark. some eye, eye contact yeah, or something. Some but chemistry. But you know, I'm, I'm working. No, but anyway, one 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 of the, I think the night before we left, I I, I came back. Um, to the hotel, you know, fairly late, like maybe 10, 10 30. And, uh, she was, uh, on her way out, like finishing work. And she asked me if I wanted to go home with her. And I said, yeah, I mean, li- and literally, I think we'd had 10 minutes of conversation, but it's kind of the way it was. Yeah, sure. And that's kind of the way it works. So, so I went home with, with, uh, with this girl out, outside of, the town and stuff. And, uh, we get to, anyway, so we, you know, we go into this bedroom and she's like, well, you know, why don't you get undressed and get in bed? I'll be back in a minute. I get undressed. I get into bed. She comes back in. She's naked. Mm -hmm. She gets into bed. Um, we're like rolling around. She gets on top of me. She Mm -hmm. sticks my dick inside her. Yep. And, and then she says, do you mind if we pray? What? Barry, what the fuck? Exactly. As I've said before, it's the most memorable fuck of my life for all the wrong reasons. What? But, no, uh, how did you react? What do you say? So, well, so I, I, I didn't really know what to say, but I was like, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, because to if, be if, honest, yeah. <laughs> I, I had no idea what that even meant. <laughs> yeah. So, so, she prays for me and, uh, and uh, well, so she starts this prayer and I don't remember the prayer at all other than it was like this big 
Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, you know, Jesus, will you honor what's going on between us? And, and, and then she sort of says, amen. And then we just fuck like anybody fucks, you know? In the morning, when I I get up, I walk into I. She's not in in the room, and I get up and I, and I I go into what essentially is like the living room area, and it's full of like I don't know, fifteen or so people, and it turns out that she was in a, a cult called the Children of God. Oh my God! And and, and the girls in that cult, um fucked guys to get them to join the cult what now barry what yeah yeah yeah. it was a big it was a big thing it it, it was a big movement and they 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 like took literally the fact that women were fishers of men and they they called them fishers and that's what they did they'd like find and anyway so so they were all there and they had their their bibles and they're singing songs and i met her husband and her uh, husband yeah, yeah, and um, but of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I was, Don't I, was worry. Le- I was I was leaving because I was going off on you know on the road. So, <laughs> so, but the reason I the reason I and it took me a long time. I I didn't tell this story to anybody for for a long time because it I didn't know how to fit it into the schema. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But, but the reason I tell that story is for for two reasons. Firstly. It was the first time as an adult I encountered anybody with a sort of religious belief and a particularly like a Christian. I mean, they regard themselves as Christians. They were right. a Christian cult yeah. mm-hmm. and a Christian sect. Mm-hmm. They came out of, you know, the in, in the late, in, in the seventies, there were all kinds of, you know, experiments in, communal living you know the hippies sort of pioneered you know communes and stuff like yeah. that and there were christian communes and christian mm-hmm. communities and and there were cult communities yeah. you know and cult just communities and stuff like that so so it was the first time I, I i'd encountered someone with a sort of passionate religious belief who was a peer and the invocation was all about jesus wow and that's why I thought, well, maybe Christianity is not what I think it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my so, God. So that's why I actually then revisited Christianity. Uh, because I was like, well, and, and, and I was like, I was not interested in uh, joining the cult or anything like right. that. And it was actually very not very, I mean, I, I, I think she knew I was leaving town. I, I don't know if it was like obligatory what she did you know anyway, right, yeah. it was maybe and, um, like that was an excuse for her to get it, fucked like she wanted to get fucked and yeah maybe who knows uh, you, you you don't know the interesting thing that the code to this is i told this story for the first time on rob bell's podcast oh boy and i rob got contact cast. i got contacted by the woman's daughter oh <gasps> no yeah and the and the woman had been given the story and uh, and she knew it was her because of the location and her name, because her name because oh. she was oh. like um, she was part Mexican and part uh, American Indian, okay. All right. and her name was Comfort. Hmm. So I was actually the the book that I'm writing, um, the memoir book. I yeah. wanted to call it yeah. fuck. I wanted to call it fucking Comfort. 
but fucking um, comfort. That's good. But the publish the publishers don't want to go with that. So, but anyway, so so that's what got me. Um, that's what got me uh, not interested. But that was like, well, I should maybe think about this. Maybe I, I'll just I, I'll just include uh, the Bible in in my sort of musings and my, my, my searching not because I was looking for religion I was really looking there like I said to try and find a, a, a mechanism or or something that would give me some way of um, addressing myself differently so my, my so so my my journey into Christianity was based on a sense and and then what happened really was uh I read the Bible as I did all the other religious texts that I got of various forms. I, I read it pretty thoroughly. I wasn't that impressed, but but there were aspects of um, the Gospels that, that that really sort of resonated with me in, in a way that some of the other religious stuff didn't. And it, and it was really based on, uh, I mean, the thing that really got me um, was that the the story in Luke's gospel of the woman who comes and washes Jesus's feet yes. with her tears, yeah, and it was around because part of my not the whole, not the whole thing, but part of my internal struggle was you know being on the road with abandoned stuff. You you can sort of you could screw anybody that you wanted, yeah, sure, yeah. and it was very easy, mm-hmm. and and you know, and usually fairly mutual on a strange, on a strange, I mean, you know, yeah. it's not, nobody's really coercing. I mean, there are obviously power things, yeah. at work, but, yeah. but, but you know, but nevertheless, um, there's a lot of willingness. People yeah. have a strange relationship with like fame and power mm-hmm. and, yeah. and all. That kind of, yep. And, and I just sort of reached a point where, where I just, and I wasn't even that terrible, but I just wasn't digging myself too much. I just mm. didn't like the, it become too easy to like just talk your way into some girl's pants, mm-hmm. like without without any regard for who it was. It was just purely selfish, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that that was just adding to some things that I was feeling inside. And I was trying to deal with, uh, I was just trying to deal with a bit of a drug problem. Blah 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 blah. No, and um, so so for me, the whole Jesus thing was really much more about what I read into the story or my interpretation of Jesus right. was the he uh, endowed people with a dignity that life had taken away from them. Mm. Wow. And I was like, that's kind of what I want to, that's, that's what I want to be. Oh. So that was the limit of, that was the limit of my religiousness really. And, and I could have probably got that from somewhere else. Yeah. But at the time I, that's where I got it. Yeah. And so uh, that's your atmosphere. That, that that's like that's the air you breathe is Western religion. Uh, yeah. So that's where I started, and 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 it was very low key. I mean, it's like I didn't quit my job straight away or anything like that. I still stayed on the road with 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 uh, the band, and, I, and I, I probably talked way too much about about Jesus. But really, it was like I just want to be a. I, I just want to have more generosity towards other people yeah. and show people a bit. It didn't stop me like screwing around uh, or, or taking drugs straight away or anything like that. It wasn't that radical. Yeah. Uh, but I knew it was a, it, but it was a, um, 
It was an axis and a pivot in in my world, and I knew that. Okay. Um, and then it was only a bit later um, when I sort of got to California that I got formalized into an experience with Christianity. And in, and that was my induction and my introduction into formalized religion and stuff like that. And um, at first, that felt very giddy and very exciting. Right. Really because it was an opportunity to sort of put down roots, and I'd been rootless for a long time. Right. And to be stagnant or static and in a community of people um, was really good. And at first, you know, you, you sort of take on all the stories and all the language that you're given. You know, I was told that, that my interpretation was all wrong, that I needed right. to get saved, yeah. all, the, yeah. all those kind of things, yes. you know. And, and, and you go, oh, okay, you know, you guys must know. You've got the books in the building, so, you you know, that's all. And it took me a while to sort of come through. I, I, I would say it took me seven or – I figure the way I've worked it out now is about every seven or eight years, I reach some kind of point in my life where things have to change. And up until now, that's happened either by opportunity or by some form of self-destruction. I've like <laughs> started another yeah. another section of my, uh, another section of my life. So I, I, I would say that, like, I spent. I spent 10 years getting embedded in Christianity and I've spent 20 working my way out. Are you out? You're not out. No. Well, out, I mean, out of a particular way of thinking and believing um, into another way of looking at things. So in or out, I mean, those are strange terms. Yeah, they are. But in, in the sake of that conversation, I mean, out of a particular trajectory into a bigger sort of understanding of, both who I am in the world and, and how I think things fit. And increasingly along the way, my relationship towards Christianity, although I've always sort of embedded it in a, in a community of some sort, has really been focused on um, my interest in both the intersections of religion with broader culture and the mm-hmm. dynamics within yeah. religion that both prevent and allow its relationship with culture to grow or be hindered. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my bullshit lame story for a Sunday night. Oh yeah. <laughs> so lame. So lame. Can I, I'm going to ask you a really weird question now. Go ahead. What's the difference between you and Joseph Smith? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I, I think Joseph Smith got visited by angels. Did he um, really though? Did he think well, that? No, did he, he honestly he think says, that? He said he did. Did he believe it or was he like writing a story? Was he like... Well, I don't, uh, well, I don't have an angel story then. So that would be one difference between me and him. That's... Uh, I two, I'm not interested in starting anything. Uh-huh. Three, um, I'm not particularly interested in, in amassing any followers. Okay. Four, uh-huh. um, probably... Um, on some levels, uh, there are maybe because I think whenever you get involved in religion, you you step into the shoes of other people's thinking. Whether yep. you know it, yep. know it or not. So, um, yep. I, I mean, I, I I I don't I don't think that much about Mormonism. 
You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, um, I don't regard myself as a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, I live in the 21st century. Um, <laughs> he doesn't. I'm still alive by. He's not. <laughs> miracle, miracle, he's not. You know, so he, he lived in a different time and space as well. Yeah. So, whatever. You know, and, and again, I mean, I do think, it, it, you know, um, I had this conversation with uh, Phyllis Tickle once because she was talking about um, how, like, she was using this terminology, you know, the Holy Spirit does this and, you know, things happen and things are happening. And, and I said to her, well, it's not, it, in my opinion, it's not just the Holy Spirit. Right. When there, there, there are shifts that happen across spectrums. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, the same time there was a Jesus movement, you also had, uh, transcendental meditation yep and mm-hmm. eastern mysticism yes. there, there was a, there was an outbreak of interest in spirituality yep. it wasn't just limited to what was going on within christianity and to some degree what was going on uh within Christ- so you know at the dawn of the 20th century when when you got the emergence of pentecostalism yeah you also had like spiritualism yeah and um you know a lot of other spiritualist movements so the the spiritual like the holy spirit pentecostal dynamic mm-hmm. of christianity mm-hmm. happened at a time when spiritualism and an interest in spirit stuff that had happened started in the late victorian era bled over into the 20th century right. so you could argue that like Pentecostalism was a Christian expression of a, a of a particular religious dynamism that was going on at that moment in time. Oh yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. Maybe I could be wrong, but it seems to me that that what you think happens in one segment usually happens everywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you if you sort of look at Buddha and Jesus and all that kind of stuff, there's not a lot of time gaps between all of these things. No, no. I mean. So things happen. We just tend to look in our world and uh, grant them a sort of level of exclusivity. Yeah. We prioritize, of, I think. Uh, instead of looking around and going, oh, that's happening in lots of different places yes. for lots of different reasons, and it's manifesting in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. does that mean? Well, then, then you have to ask yourself, what does that mean for my particular section of that? then what does it mean in, in, in the broad sense? Right. So, you know, the fact that we live in a time where um, people say, I'm spiritual. But not religious. Religious. You know, it, and, and, and Christians, a lot of Christians laugh at that. Yeah. But I, I, I think that statement should be taken incredibly seriously because because 50 years ago, nobody would have said that. Yeah, yeah. Because it one because those two were conflated. So if someone was religious, they were spiritual. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were spiritual. They were religious. Now it's become a distinctive. And what, what does it mean? Well, it means a lot of things. I think it's an umbrella term, but yeah. basically the, the general understanding is, well, if you say I'm spiritual, but not religious, that means I'm doing kind of doing my own religious thing. Right. Yeah. Outside the confines of the authority of organized religion. Right. So is that distinction a reaction to organized religion or like 
would that not exist without the, the, the term and the concept of religion as a confine, as a boxed-in frame I, of I reference? Think, I think it's definitely um, a reaction. I think it's a reaction against organized religion. Yeah. And it's response to cultural shifts where the um, heavy materialism of the late 20th century has given way to a sort of post-materialistic materialism. Oh, okay. Meta-materialism. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. In in that people are still materialistic, but but they're not willing necessarily to limit materialism to rational, to sensorial experience. They might want to say there's something something more to it. So I think we have to take those things quite seriously when 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 you hear something over and over again yeah it, it's a really easy thing to stereotype and it is a stereotype and it's bullshit you know half the time people say that and they just mean i go to yoga i don't go to church <laughs> well, uh, but but in 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 the larger sense i i think there's something very meaningful in in that phrase because it points to a lot of things that are going on and, and you know, you, yeah. you, you have you, you have people who say, "Well, you know, um, I I I I'm, I don't call myself a Christian, uh, but I like Jesus or whatever." And right. they're, they're still in church. they're still in church. And there's a lot there's a lot of that. So what's that all about? Well, it's a reaction against, and it's a response to. So you, a lot of the dynamics, a lot of the things that that people are going through, I, I think are cultural, are cultural dynamics that just get um, wrapped up in the language of a particular religious horizon. Yeah. Okay. A lot yep. of things that, that, you know, so even like the, the post theistic stuff, you know, the, the, um, you know, the post evangelical, you know, post death of God stuff, the radical, yeah. Theology yeah. things. I mean, there. I mean, the fact that you know. I mean, radical. The 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 sort of return of radical theology in the twenty first century, um, which is not a return to the radical theology of the twentieth century. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, a theology after the death of the death of God. Oh. You know. Wow. So. Yeah. And it's it's uh, it's got roots in um, some modern liberal thought, but it's post-liberal. Um, it's post-secular. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a death of God because of secularity. It's a death of God or a radical theology after secularity, mm. um, and it reads secularism perhaps as an extension or a fulfillment or. Oh, a fulfillment. Uh, an yeah. adjunct to to uh, Christianity, you know. So somebody like Gianni Vatima, Vatima argues that secularization is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. And the task of Christianity in that in that realm is to dispatch with the need to be a religion and to make a space to host religious conversation right yeah so if you read vatimo's book after 
after Christianity, that will fuck your head up for a few months. <laughs> oh, man. If you read it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's making some pretty strong arguments that that many of the things that secular, you know, secular society values, you know, human rights, individual freedom, blah, 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 blah. They, they're, 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 they're born of a, a Judeo-Christian story. So they're, they're not the, they're not the enemy. Right, right. They're, they're the, it's on the same. The fruit of oh, it's the same spectrum, same yeah, continuum. Right. So it's, it's an outgrowth, a post-religious outgrowth. Yeah. So I don't know. There are lots of ways of thinking about all this stuff basically, right? Yeah. Would you say? <laughs> Sorry, this is it's a, a lot, movie. man. I'm 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 trying to compute it. Would you say that? I gotta look at my notes. You have notes? Yeah. Everything wow. you say, I, I write down. Not literally, but uh. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Tell me about Situationist Jesus. About what? The Situationist Jesus uh, Instagram. Oh, okay. So, um, well, do you know about the Situationists? No. Okay. So, in, in the um, in the late fifties, uh, there, there there was this group. It was very short lived. Um, they were called the Situationist International. Um, their one of their chief members was uh, uh, a guy named Guy Debord, who wrote this book, The Society of the Spectacle. But um, they were a, an art based movement who wanted to address um, the um, militarism and industrialization of uh, the post, post-war world. And they, they wanted to, uh, and, and, and they were sort of, they, they mined surrealism and Dadaism and, and, and stuff. And, and they practiced what they, what they called creating situations which is environments where the status quo could be challenged and new ways of thinking could be um, introduced. Yeah. And they did very, very simple things. They put on like street theaters and, and, and all this. Kind of, but one of the things they did is, is they, they had this process in, in, in French. It's called uh, détournement. And what it literally means is you, you take uh, an existing artifact and you turn it around and make it into something else. And one of the things that, they, and one of the things they did is they would take comic books, which were very big after the Second World War. Oh, you know, awesome. that's when comic books really started to take a hold. You know, particularly yeah. in Europe, they were a sort of import with American military and stuff like that. So um, they would uh, they would take a comic book and they would replace all the words with like political commentary. Okay. And then they put the book back, the comic book back on the newsstand. So when someone bought their favorite comic book, they'd open it up and instead of getting, (laughs) you know, like chuckles, the clown talking about, you know, whatever they'd get like this, they get this critique of, um, the world in which the world in which they lived. Yeah. And were sort of a. They, in some ways, they were kind of a precursor to some of the postmodern, postmodernist philosophers. They were in, and um, they were. Um, in fact, it's really interesting that, that there's a really great book by um, uh, what's his name, Griel Marcus, who used to write for the Rolling Stone, okay. called "Lipstick Traces." It's a 
It's a great book. It's it's about actually, it's about punk, but it talks about the fact that um, Malcolm McLaren, who who arguably, depending on who you're arguing with, was the architect of uh, of punk and at least okay. very influential in the founding of the Sex Pistols. Um, he managed the, the New York Dolls before he moved back to England and started working out the whole punk thing with the Sex Pistols. And at the final New York Dolls gig in New York, he put a banner behind them that said the politics of boredom, which was a direct quote from the situationists. Wow. The, the whole punk movement actually has roots in the situationists and the early postmodern thinkers. So the so situationist Jesus, um, I just thought it'd be kind of funny to put words in Jesus's mouth. <laughs> yeah. So I took this uh, frame from a, from a, a Christian comic. It's like First Corinthians. Jesus, yeah, I think it's Galatians. Jesus, but Jesus oh. is talking to, and that must be the Gospels, because Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, yeah. and whatever he said originally, they said, shut, shut up. up. Yeah, yeah. So I just decided to call it, um, so the, the, the full term is situation is Jesus, but the subtitle is shut up, the internet sayings of yeah. Uh, of, and, and, and so I just decided that every day I'd put some words in Jesus's mouth and post it on the internet. <laughs> so some of them, some of them are, are, are ideas that I have. Some of them are, are just quotes that I like. Um, there are abbreviations of philosophers or mm. thinkers or psychoanalysts or yeah. economists and stuff like that. And of course, to everyone, the Pharisees say, "Shut up!" Right. So it so that's all. It's just it's kind of a fun thing. But uh, I've been doing it for a for for a while now. It's so good, man. <laughs> Every single one like changes my day. Like it it makes me think differently. Like I. I I don't know if you even noticed, but I, I like every one of them that I read. Yeah. Like, it's so good, dude. It is so good. It's interesting because, you know, you can't say much in that tiny little thing. Right. So, you know, there's there's a limit to, to what you can even snatch to put in there. Right. And that's part of the challenge for me. Yeah. Is like, what can I, what can I put in there that will be pithy and poignant mm. and pointed? Mm. And, um, and sometimes I find a little gold mine of ideas and there's like a whole slew of them that are almost sequential, mm-hmm. but usually yep. in, the, and I try and do it. I, I do a few, th- speaking of rituals, I, I, I do a few things um, every day. One of them is I, I do that every day. And I also make a collage every day and yeah. I have done for like 30 years. Yeah. So every single day I make, which came out of journaling. So I keep journals and I make a collage and I do a situationist Jesus every day. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I should get a life. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, this is all we have. Like what else are we going to do, dude? It's, it's not a chore. I, I find it kind of interesting. It's also good. It's good for me because it makes me sort of think about things, you know, and, and sometimes what what you get in um, the situation is Jesus is something that I'm thinking about at any given moment. Yeah, it might be a thought that I'm thinking about for a long time. It might be a very, you know, like a passing fancy, just something that. Sure. If I'm walking around London and I see something, you know, I'm like, oh, I should make a little thing about that, and I'll go sit in a coffee shop and work out what I'm going to put in Jesus's mouth today. 
<laughs> I'm sure he hates me for it. Yeah, probably. Probably. He's, he's dead, though. But He's dead, uh, you know. But he's coming back, apparently. Apparently. That's, that's what yeah. Matthew said. But... Yeah, but, you know, what does that mean? Nothing at all. So, <laughs> with... Well, I don't even know how to word this. Why is Jesus so important to you? Like, why do you still... Is is that the medium of you, like, relating philosophically to the world? Or is that you, like, reacting to the fact that you were Christian for, like, ten years of your life? Like, why is Jesus so important, like, to you? Is it is, is the fabric, like you said? Or is it... Um, it's definitely uh, well. Here's 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 uh, the deal. Um, it's important, but it's not exclusively important to me. Okay. Yeah. It's part. Yeah. It's part of the fabric of my life, mm-hmm. and it's a major part of the focus of work that I've done mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of my thinking over the last couple of decades has been done in and around and intersecting with various forms of Christian self-expression. Yeah. So, um, it's important partly, um, in, in that domain. Uh, but I, but it's, but I, but I have other interests and other things that are important. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but theology and the intersections of theology and culture, religion and culture, um, sort of fascinate me. Yeah. And, and I made a, I, I think, and this is, it's probably arbitrary. Um, but, but I think it's quite difficult to embrace another cultural religious expression. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember once um, I, I took some students to, to hear the Dalai Lama speak. And he basically said, he basically said, if you're, you should stick with the religion of your culture. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and again, I would never say, Oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, look around and, and, and if something else works for you, go, go there. But, you know, there's a, there, there's a, you know, Feuerbach said that all religion is social production. Okay. Now, okay. and that was picked up by Marx and, and it, and, and essentially that can be taken very much from a, from a, a non religious perspective to sure. say that religion is just a human invention. Right. Um, whether, whether you believe in God or not, all religion is social production. We make God in the in our cultural images. Well, yeah. We just do. But but what conceptually is is not like social reproduction? Like what what conceptually is not from humans? Like if yeah. humans have a thought, how is that yeah. not uh, but, you know instigated by human? Yeah, but you know we we all think. We 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 might all think about God, but we all think about God differently. Yeah. So you go to different parts of the world. You know, there's a lot of similarities in what people use God for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are lots of differences in in the way. This is why I think like interfaith dialogue gets really irritating. 
because mm. it's always based on commonality and, and it minimizes difference. And I think the issue is difference, not, not similarity. Mm. The similarity is a bit of a duh. Sure. Everybody's got, you know, you know, the similarities are just a reminder that you're not as unique as you think you are. But to say all religions are the same, I, I think is not true. They're not all the same. And, and to, to minimize differences is to colonize. Mm, okay. But anyway, um, what are we, why, why are we talking about that? Uh, uh, um, Christianity versus other religions, Jesus. No, there, was something, no, something, there was a reason I, 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 I said that, but I uh, don't know what it was. But anyway, anyway, um, so I, 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 oh, so, you know, all religion is social production. Oh, so right. I'm yeah, interested, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested in, in the ways in which, uh, we produce religion in, in the West mm-hmm. and how that ebbs and flows, how it remains static and how, how it, how it changes, right. how it, how it intersects. Uh, oh, and, 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 and like I said, I, 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 oh, it was, it was on the, on the heels of, um, not not being able to fully embrace like so in other words if if you're going to become hindu mm-hmm. you got a lot of work <laughs> yeah. i'm not saying you shouldn't not saying you shouldn't <laughs> yeah but you know sanskrit that's well put uh, yeah mm-hmm. lots of history and yeah. stuff like you know and 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 you know so like a lot of people regard themselves, you know, uh, are, are very drawn to Buddhism. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But it's a very Westernized form yeah. of Buddhism. It's American pragmatic Buddhism. Like you don't yeah. know Pali. You've never been in that culture. Like, yeah, it's foreign. But we can yeah. glean something from it that is beneficial. But at the same time, it's like uh, you're not fucking Buddhist. You're an American pragmatic Buddhist. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so for me, I, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm interested in uh, culture and cultures, but primarily, primarily, I'm interested in Western culture, the world in which I live, and the religion of Western culture is the Judeo-Christian religion. Okay. Yeah. So okay. my interest is impacted by other interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but I also am personally interested because I invested myself in that story. Yeah. And, uh, that story had impact upon me. Yeah. And, and again, not to just continually quote Caputo, but I will, you know, we're all accidents of birth. So we don't choose where we show up in the world. Yep. Yep. We show up in the world and we find ourselves in that world. I don't limit myself to that world. I'm fascinated by what goes on in the rest of the world as well. Yeah. But I can't speak to that uh, uh, as well as I can to the the world that I've grown up in. I can be interested and curious and learn from other cultural expressions. Yeah. But but I'm embedded in the Western cultural experience. Yeah. And so that's my sort of primary lens of reflection about life how i understand myself how i understand others how i understand the world and all that stuff all all that stuff basically i just think too fucking much about too many things (laughs) and and, uh christianity i still think about it a lot yeah yeah me too i mean yeah but but my interest in christianity um 
are, are not always. I can't mainstream doesn't perhaps is the wrong word, but I mean I'm, I'm interested in. I'm very interested in some popular or yeah or, or, or tangential mm-hmm. issues. Oh, so I I'm like, like uh, I said, I'm not really okay. interested in engaging in dialogue about science and religion right. or um you know or theism this this not really uh my my stuff i'm i'm very interested you know in the interface between religion and technology mm. oh wow and, uh, and i'm interested in um the intersections of philosophy and and you know western philosophy contemporary western philosophy and and uh theology yeah. um I'm very interested at the moment in, um, and, and it, it, you know, it, it's like which which feeds because one of I'm very interested in the moment at, at the the recovery of the use of psychedelics in Western culture. Oh, the recovery, okay. Because you know, um, at University College London just uh, got government approval to initiate the. Uh, LSD microdosing testing. Really? Yeah. UCLA and California and USC both have FDA approval to research that stuff. Um, there's a whole slew of books out at the moment. In fact, the food writer Michael Pollan uh-huh. has, yeah, a, yeah. has a, a book out called How to Change Your Mind, which is about his exploration of um, LSD um, as a way of treating depression. So, um, and then there's a history of, you know, in, in the 1970s, there was this guy that his name, uh, I've forgotten, but there's this very famous, uh, I think it's 13th century, uh, painting in a, in a, in a church in France of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. Do you know this painting? It's called the, the Plancaro, to, uh, painting. And, and anyway, it's Adam and Eve and, the tree in the middle is a huge magic mushroom tree. Oh, okay. Okay. And there was this guy in the 1970s who, who wrote about the use of like, um, psychedelic mushroom, you know, and he was dismissed and probably was kind of hokey and, and stuff like that. But, um, there, you know, uh, and we might've talked about this before, you know, the, the roots of contemporary Christian music came out of the post LSD hippie culture. Mm -hmm. So the ecstatic form of Christian worship, close your eyes, hands in the air. All you have to do is look at a documentary of Woodstock oh, yeah. and uh, you suddenly see. Yeah. the. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, um, in fact, I'm talking tomorrow um, with a, a, a guy who's written a book on philosophy and magic mushrooms. Really? I, I, I haven't linked it totally yet with theology, um, but I think, uh, this and then I've got this other book, really interesting book by a French philosopher, Laurent de Souter, called Narco Capitalism, and and he it's a book. Uh, the, the subtitle is um, The Age of Anesthesia, and he ties the invention of anesthesia and looks at like the use of drugs under Hitler and Prozac and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, as ways in which we've increasingly used chemicals. Mm-hmm to deal with um, what ails us in, yeah. in mm-hmm. but quite often in, in the service of maintaining 
capitalism. So, you know, it's a bit like well-being, the well-being movement. Mm -hmm. It's not really addressing why we're anxious. It's helping us with our anxiety. Sending sending us back into the world Mm -hmm. um, without going, well, maybe the problem isn't entirely with us. Yeah. Maybe the problem is we're embedded in a system. Mm. Oh, fuck. That needs to be redressed. Yeah. So somewhere in there, I'm going to sort of, that will get some kind of theological twist on it, but I'm not sure that anybody apart from me is interested in that. You know, you know what I mean? I I mean, you know, I mean, in California, marijuana is now legal. Right. So what a church is going to do about that. Yeah. Do you think, okay. Do you think, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, there's a whole, there's a whole, um, movement of uh post evangelical drinking right yeah Mm -hmm. brew theology and all that stuff so everybody's like into like you know um special beer and 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 all that kind of stuff now Mm -hmm. and you know beer and theology you know beer and hymns or you know that whole thing is is sort of accepted because essentially um people have relaxed their views on uh alcohol right. and the argument against yeah. against drugs has always been well they're illegal right the law it will now but now marijuana isn't illegal yeah so yeah. would it be okay if you turned up at your church social and rolled a joint just saying right no yeah i'm, saying, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't i'm just saying when 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 laws when laws are amended you know, do you just maintain a particular <laughs> rule? And, and you know, and I'll go on record as saying I'd rather be around a bunch of people stoned than I would around a bunch of people drunk. Same, yep, mm-hmm. yep. I mean, I'm, I'm not a drinker, so yeah. um, I never really have been. Uh, but I, I'm interested in I'm, I'm interested in questions like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, lots of, for lots of reasons, not even to affirm or deny or negate the legitimacy, but to just go, what, what does that mean in the culture? What, what are we addressing that, that we think needs to be addressed by this? Yep. And, uh, and what does that say about us? What does it say about our hopes, our anxieties, our, our fears, our concerns? And how perhaps should we think about that from a theological perspective? Yeah. And why can't we, and why can't that, um, undergo theological action. Yeah. I'm going back to my story, that story I told you about the, the woman who washes Jesus's feet with um, tears. Uh, tears because yeah. there's a, um, a French philosopher who, who said that the whore is the key to the truth. Hmm. And she's a prostitute in that story. So that's my theological work at the moment. So the whore is the key to the truth. Yeah, she says that. that he says that the 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 whore, the prostitute, is the point where all truths intervene in society. Okay. So it's the intersections of economics and desire. Hmm. Okay. All right. So you have that profound story um, wow. where the axis of the story is 
the prostitute. She's a sinner. That's the, that's the inference anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's the truth in that story that revolves around that woman? Mm-hmm. So, so in some ways, when, when you ask me about why this is interesting, it's because there's always something to be said that as yet to be said, at least, or thought through by, by you or, or, or me. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And maybe there's nothing. Maybe there's nothing new there, but it might. It, but I doubt it. I think there's always something new that can be said about everything, yeah. and I think that has impact. And and uh, in this day, you know, there's a lot of at least in the circles that I move in, um, there's a lot of interest in you know philosophy and psychoanalysis. Mm-hmm. So there are always the intersections of things. Maybe in the '90s and stuff, it was really about sort of sociology and anthropology that, that that came alongside theology yeah um i i think these days philosophy and uh theology are bleeding into each other yep. a little bit yep. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's an element of psychoanalytic stuff that that's coming in and i and I, you know there, there's a part of me that that thinks on one level psychiatry and stuff is very 20th century yeah um but there are people who within that horizon who are rethinking it in a 21st century perspective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so revisiting those things but it seems to me that one of the axis of theological reflection today is around you know things like radical theology continental philosophy Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah political theory psychoanalysis that there's a little interdisciplinary conversation yeah. that's giving rise to whole new ways of talking about um religion yeah so that's why i'm interested is that why <laughs> is that really why i don't know if it's why but it's but it's it makes it's a it part of it yeah. it's part of it and yeah and you know i mean i i long ago sort of gave up um reading the bible for um Uh, what would I say? I, I, I think it's it's really like for absolute um, or like for not for absolutes. I mean, I, I I think I sort of read it like poetry, like yeah. music, like music. Really, I don't worry about um, I don't worry about its truthfulness. Yeah, and I don't actually even worry about its usefulness. In fact, I'm a little Ooh. over. Okay. The usefulness of scripture. Okay. You know, yeah. that whole fucking uh, deal where, you know, religion is this manual. Right. Um, yeah. I, but I, I'm, I'm interested when it moves, when it moves me, when I'm intrigued by it, when yeah. I'm haunted. And, 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 and to some degree, it's a ghost in my life. So I'm still haunted by it. Yeah. Um, is that a Caputo so, reference there? What the haunting thing? Yeah, the ghost of that's Derrida. Derrida, oh, Derrida. Is, okay. Derrida sort of came up with this this notion of hauntology. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. I bought a book earlier this summer called "The History of Ghosts in Britain." Mm. England's a very big ghost culture. Okay, there's a lot of belief in ghosts in Britain. Right, it's probably it's such an old country with you know so many em- old old houses right. and big empty. Rooms. A lot of history. But, but you know, I mean, ghosts, 
I mean, you ever read that book um, by Richard Kearney, Strangers, Gods and Monsters? No, I've not read it, no. That's really worth a read. I'd recommend that to anybody. His, his sort of theory is that um, every every society has uh, strangers. Okay. So there's always somebody who's a stranger. The outsider sort of thing. like The outsider, yeah. you know, the alien who gives you some sense of who you are. Right. Um, every society has uh, monsters, yep. which are the things that we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, I use this a bit um, in uh, my advertising class, like on, you know, like on ambulances in, in, in the U S um, there's usually like uh, a snake on a stick, you know, it's like yeah. Moses you know, lift mm-hmm. it and heal it. in Japan on earthquake kits. They have a huge catfish. What? Because in the Edo period, when, when, you know, Japan is a land of earthquakes. Yeah. The myth was that uh, the the great catfish of the sea was angry with the fishermen because they fished too much. Okay. So he slapped the land and caused earthquakes. Oh, okay. Right. So, so the catfish is the symbol of an earthquake. Hmm. So Kearney sort of says – monsters are, are reflections of our anxieties and, and fears. Oh, so, you know, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like in the last decade, what are the two monsters in Western culture? It's a, it's a test. Uh, um, I mean, Zomb- zombies and vampires. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 So what are they all about? Well, they're both, in some sense, about being post-human. Yeah, yeah, post-dead, like post, post. Well, vampires are sort of dead but alive. Well, yeah, and they cannibalize. You know, they they live off blood. Yeah, which yeah. you know, um, and then zombies are really interesting because zombies, like the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the contemporary understanding, they're zombies because of human cataclysm brought about by. Uh, human self-destructiveness. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there, and, and you know, if you watch a show like The Walking Dead or something like that, it's post-apocalyptic. And uh, what's taken away? All technology. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you have to go back to like learning how to hunt with a bow and blah, 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 right. blah, blah, blah. So, there, you know, so, and then, and every culture has those in some form or another because we all have things that we're afraid of and we use monsters to, to yeah. talk about them. And then every society has its gods, the things that we kneel to. So that might be a God, but it also might be consumerism. Wow. So it's an interesting book, Strangers, Gods and Monsters. I heartily recommend it. So your, your, your God could be an externalized, like cultural concept or an identify what you worship in a very broad sense. Yeah. So that gets that gets scary if you start to think about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> is that like idolatry in the in the Judeo Christian? Maybe. I mean, probably. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I guess if you were if you were to view it as you know the only thing you're supposed to kneel to is this one mm-hmm. supreme supreme being. Mm-hmm. Although you know, arguably, you could probably argue against that even from the Bible, but 
let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, probably. Next time. Yeah. We'll save that for another day. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, um, that's what's going on with me this week. Oh, man. That's a lot, Barry. It's a lot, man. I'm sorry. No, please. Don't fucking apologize, bro. Like, for real. <laughs> please. It's just a lot. There's a lot. There's always a lot to talk about, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm out of questions. If you have anything else you want to say or like plug, please do that right now. Uh, plug um, your book. Well, you know, no, you, I, you know, I should plug my Patreon. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm on Patreon. It's Patreon slash Barry Taylor. I, 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 I'm doing a series at the moment called Theology After, mm. and um, it's so I've done. Theology after Lacan. I did it with my friend Tad Delay. Oh, I saw that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did uh, theology after Zizek with Pete Rollins. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, theology after Derrida with um, Caputo. Um, the next one actually is going to be really interesting. It's called Theology After Soup. What? Theology After Soup. It's with a friend of mine. Um, uh, a woman who lives in Detroit okay. who um, created this uh, community experience called Detroit Soup, which was a way of bringing life and creativity back to a broken city. Mm. She's mm. a theologian activist, so she's going to be the next one. Cool. And I, put, I, post, I post talks and reviews. I t- talk a lot about music and culture and sex and fashion mm-hmm. and other things on there. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, you can sign up for cheap, but it'd be nice stuff. And I do, you know, I, I, I do some live things where people can sort of engage. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be nice to get a few more people doing that. It'd be great. Yeah. Patreon and your Instagram dude is fucking dope. Like you, have, you bloke. <laughs> yeah. UK bloke. Are they, are those all like actual pictures when you post, is that like filtered or what? Like those are all so beautiful. Um, pretty much, I, I would say that ninety nine percent of the content is stuff that I take pictures of. Wow. Sometimes I repost. I repost uh, some fashion things that I yeah, like. Sure. But apart from that, most of the photos, I, I you know I go out and about quite a lot, and yeah. uh, I, I, and I'm a visual person, so. Um, I post what I see, what interests me. Great. I have this weird thing about the sky. Apparently when I was in California, I was always taking a picture every day of a palm tree in a blue sky. Now I seem to be like, now I seem to be taking pictures of clouds, but it's the same idea. <laughs> yeah. That and shoes. Yeah. So I have a sho- you, you love shoes, don't you? Yeah, I do. Shoofy. Shoofies. Yeah. 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 I should have copywritten that, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should have. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I'm fascinated by um, shoes because I think they say a lot about how we ground ourselves to the world. Oh, my God, Barry. What the fuck? At the end Sorry. of our talk, you're going to bring this up now? <laughs> Sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> I told you there's nothing that you can't talk about that's not interesting. <laughs> our so. next our next episode is going to be only about shoes. <laughs> uh, you know, I can talk about shoes for a long time. All right, let's do that. Let's talk about shoes. Yeah, 
that that is going to happen unless you make it not happen. Why you should never trust a man who wears square-toed shoes. Yes, it's a teaser for our next episode. <laughs> it's a teaser. <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you go, mate. All right, Barry. It's great seeing you. I appreciate you, man. All right, likewise. Feel better. All right, thanks. Cheers. Bye. A post-Christian production.